This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I know you hear that in the shopping malls and repeated on the radio. But for many people, it's the most difficult time of the year. And for all sorts of reasons. It's not just that, that maybe our, our finances are, are fluctuating, right? We got all these things that we have to spend money on. And it, it's not just that maybe we're trying to fight against all the, the foods that are being thrown at us this time of the year. But I think the reason that this time of the year can be so difficult is family. You know, growing up instinctively, the way we're designed is we are designed to look in our families, to look to our families for safety, security, acceptance, and belonging. And so when we go through something difficult, uh, even as little children, we, we run to our parents or our relatives and we look with our eyes looking to find safety and security and and acceptance and well-being. And for many of us who grew up maybe in a, a healthy home, you found that. A spouse was safe and secure or, or a parent or an uncle or a relative. But that's what makes this holiday, this Christmas so difficult is that person's not going to be at the dinner table this year. For others, you, you instinctively ran to that, that person, um, that, that family member, but they ignored you. And maybe they were dealing with their own issues. Maybe they had their own grief and loss on their, on their minds. But, but you ran to them, and for whatever reason, they were distracted. And so you grew up um, believing this lie that you don't matter, that you're not worth people's time. And so for you, it's the most difficult time of the year because you remember that feeling of, of feeling like worthless or meaningless or not important. For others... You went to that family member, that, that, that parent, that uncle, that grandparent, that, that loved one, that brother or sister, looking for safety, security, acceptance, and belonging, and they actually hurt you. Maybe they abused you physically, emotionally, sexually, and it created this kind of dissonance in your heart to the place you're supposed to go to safety and security. Well, that was a dangerous place. And so the holidays can be the most difficult time of the year. Because of that grief and that loss and that trauma and that stress. Recently, I've been reading a book called The Bible or The, the Body Keeps the Score by a, a writer named, a psychologist named Bezel van der Kolk. He's Dutch, I think. That's why his name is so different, right? And uh, he talks about what happens to our bodies and our brains when, when we face traumatic stress. That, that logically we know that, that that grief and that pain and whatever it was, it was in the past, but our body keeps the score. That's why he called his book, The Body Keeps the Score. That we continue to live in this kind of anxiety and this fear, depression, or whatever it is from the past. In fact, he gives one definition of traumatic stress. He says it this way. Traumatic stress is an illness of not being able to be fully alive in the present. Maybe all around you, people are celebrating Christmas with, with Christmas carols and Christmas cookies and, and Christmas gifts. But because of your, your grief or your pain or your trauma, you're unable to be present, to be fully alive in the present because of past trauma. You continue to feel stuck because of the past. 
And because you continue to feel stuck in the past, it's hard to have any hope in the future. But that's why we're going through this series called Hope. In fact, today we're going to be focusing on the, the fact that hope changes me. Hope changes me. Hope changes us from the inside out. And the question we want to answer today is this. How can we begin to experience healing this holiday? How can we begin to experience healing this holiday? Maybe it's just a beginning. Maybe it's just a start. But can we begin to turn the corner, to begin to experience healing this holiday? And to answer that question, we're going to go to the book of Lamentations. Uh, Lamentations is, is in the Old Testament, and the Old Testament goes Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. It's a short book. Uh, it's, a, it's actually a, 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 whole, a whole book of poetry, and it comes after the book of Jeremiah in our Bibles because many people believe that maybe it was Jeremiah who wrote it. And the book is a lament. It, it's, it's a crying out in pain, a crying out in mourning, because the Israelites have just faced some of the most traumatic things in their lives. In 587 BC, the big bad empire of Babylon surrounded Jerusalem. And and they surrounded Jerusalem for so long that the people inside starved. Many of them starved. In fact, in the book of Lamentations, it describes in gory detail how how devastating this was, that that they were so hungry that women were eating their children. That's how bad it got. And and those who survived the starvation, well, they were, many of them were killed by, by Nebuchadnezzar as they entered into the city. And those who somehow survived starvation, and those who somehow survived the, the massacre, well, they were taken off into captivity. Can you imagine the trauma of this event on the Israelites? And as they're being taken off into exile, into Babylon, they look in the review mirror, and their homes are being destroyed, their homelands being destroyed, and worst of all for them, the temple was being leveled, Solomon's temple, the place that God promised to meet with his people. But worst of all, is they felt like God wasn't listening to them anymore. In fact, they write about this in the book of Lamentations. It says this, He, that's the Lord, uh, the Lord has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains even when I call out, or even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my past crooked. I've talked to quite a few people who suffered uh, trauma or grief or loss, and they tell me this is the worst part of it, that when they were in the middle of that trauma, that grief, that loss, whatever it was, they were crying out to God in prayer, and it seemed like even God wasn't answering their prayer. And that's what makes this so difficult. So what did the Israelites do? Well, they wrote this book, this lament, Lamentations, Uh, They got together as a community and they would sing these poems of lamenting, of crying out to God. And it's an impressive book. I had a chance just to to read it straight through out loud and and feel all the different emotions. Now, we don't have time for that today to read through the whole poem, but I'm going to give you a hint. When you're running short on time and you're reading Hebrew poetry, uh, if you want to find the main point of the poem, or if maybe you just don't understand what this poem is saying, uh, usually with Hebrew poetry, you go to the center. 
There's this thing called centering. If you go to the center of a Hebrew poem or a book of poetry, you'll usually find the climax, the hope, the point. Like in the book of Job, that, that huge book of poetry, uh, at the very center of the book of Job is, I know that my Redeemer lives, the high point of the book. And the same thing here. If you want to know the, the hope of this lament, we go to the center. And so let's go to the center of this book, Lamentations chapter 3, and we read this. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. The writer, again, maybe Jeremiah, is, is, is crying out. He remembers well what happens. He, he's recounting it. And throughout this book, he's, he's saying it in, in all these different ways. He's experiencing, expressing every emotion that you could possibly think of. He remembers it well. And some of the emotion is, God, where were you? God, where were you when they came in and attacked us? Where were you, God? And then sometimes they're crying out, but God, have mercy on us now. And then sometimes they're saying, and God, get our enemies. Make them pay for how they treated us. All of these emotions, the full gamut of emotions. And it's, it's chaotic and it's, it's filled with, with grief and pain and sorrow and hope and mercy and, and revenge and, and everything emotions. It's just chaos. The whole book, it's just this chaotic poem. And yet, there's something in the structure of the poem that tells a message also. You see, this, this poem is actually written in acrostic form. That means every line is one new letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And I think that's telling us a message that, that as we bring our laments to God, this chaos of, of pain, God somehow brings order to our chaos. And so if you want to experience healing this holiday, the first thing that you have to do is bring some order to this chaos. You need to process the past. That's the first fill in the blank. Process the past. See, van der Kolk, he, he talks about this in, in, in his book, that, that when you face trauma, uh, one of the things that happens is there's a safety mechanism in your brain, in your heart, in your emotion that cuts you off from the reality of what you're experiencing. You know, kind of like if you would, you, would, you would get a big cut or something, you don't feel the pain right away, it cuts you off, and that's what happens to our emotions. When we go through a traumatic event of grief, of loss, of pain, of suffering, it cuts us off from the reality of what happens, but, but the problem is your body keeps the score. It, it, you feel it as this kind of um, disorganized, um, chaotic disorganization of past experiences, and, it, and, and what you have to do to process the past is you have to put it back into some kind of order some kind of story of, of, a, of a, something that has a beginning, middle, and an end. Now, I don't know how you process your past. Vanderkolk talks about the, the importance of maybe writing, writing poetry, maybe writing the story, maybe journaling. He talks about the importance of theater, of acting out your emotions, feeling your emotions. Again, he talks about the importance of, of going to see a counselor, singing, expressing yourself. Um, he talks about the importance of community. He talks about the importance of, of lamenting. You see a counselor, a therapist, a whole group of people. Whatever it is, you have to do what the Hebrews did. The Hebrews took the chaos of their past and they put it into a story. You have to put it into a story with a beginning, middle, and an end and if you don't put it back into a story of a, of a beginning, middle, and end, it'll keep affecting you and leaving you stuck in the present. Now, one way that, that our family has tried to process our grief and loss is this. Um, it was about nine years ago, nine years ago uh, around this time of the year, that my wife was, was pregnant, and she ended up having a miscarriage. And I asked her if I could share this with you today. And she said, 
she's ready to share it, that, that it was really difficult for us because, you know, as Christians, we're thinking like, God, you create life. And you love children. And, and, and we've tried to do everything you said and trying to do everything you said about taking care of our bodies and health and all this. And, and yet you still allowed this, this child to die. This makes no sense. Why are you allowing us to suffer like this? And, and why did you do this? And we still don't know why. And we still can't process all of that. We don't know the answers to that. But somehow my wife found that, that she needed to, to, to put it back into a story, to process the past. And so the way she did that was um, she bought an ornament. Here it is actually. I don't know if you can see it. Ornament that says peace. She put this up on our, on our uh, tree every year. And it's a way that, that we remember that this child is now at peace with God. It's a way that we remember that even though we don't understand it all, God is, is with us and we can be at peace. So a few years ago, we, we sat our children down and we, we thought, you know, it's time. Let's tell them the story. And so as we put up our Christmas tree every year and we put this ornament back up on the tree, we tell them the story about our grief and our loss and yet the peace that we have in God. That somehow in the middle of our chaos, that story had a, it was real. It really happened it had a beginning, middle, and an end, and now today we can be at peace. Now, it's important to process that, to process the past. But if you just recount the past, if you just tell the pain of the past, you can kind of re-traumatize yourself to just live in the pain and the suffering. And so the author of Lamentations, the, 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 Jeremiah the prophet, as he's lamenting, he teaches us the next step in processing the past. He says, yet... In spite of yet, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Somehow, as Jeremiah or the author, whoever this is, is thinking about the Babylonians coming in and besieging their city, somehow in the middle of all that pain and suffering and, and all those people dying and all that loss and all that trauma, somehow he can look back on that and say, you know what? God was there. I didn't see him. I didn't feel him. I don't know what he was doing, but God was there. And because of God's great love, we are not consumed. Somehow there was this picture that they could understand or they thought about that, 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 that as Babylon came in like this raging fire, somehow God was there with the water holes holding back some of the, the full extent of the wickedness of this world. Somehow God was holding it back and somehow God was present there weeping with the people. And this is a very important part of the process of healing to see that God was present there. I've talked to quite a few people who've gone through grief and suffering and loss, and they say that one of the most important things for them was, is to go back, to go back into that moment, to, 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 to know that when they were suffering, even though they didn't see him, God was there. Somehow God was there holding back the full force of this world's evil and wickedness. Somehow God was present there, like Jesus present with Mary and Martha, weeping at the tomb of their friend Lazarus. Now this might take years, it might take uh, the rest of your life, but, but would you try that? As you process the past, maybe with a counselor, with a friend, with a pastor, maybe even right now, picturing yourself in that moment of trauma, whatever that was, 
in that, that difficult time that you were enduring and somehow could you see that God was there? Because he was. As, as the devil and all this world's wickedness and evil was trying to consume you like a fire, somehow God was holding back the full force of that wickedness. Somehow he was present there holding back some of the full force of, of this world's evil. And right next to you, when you were suffering and you were weeping, Jesus was weeping with you, just like he wept with Mary and Martha at the tomb of their friend Lazarus. This is powerful. It's powerful because if you can believe that God was present in your past, you can start living in the present. And that's what Jeremiah, the, that's what the book talks about here. Verse 24 says this, So now I say to myself, I'm going to tell myself something new. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Literally, the Lord is my inheritance. You see, the author believed that if God was present in the past, he's going to be with me in the present. Now, now this author, Jeremiah probably, has lost everything. Lost family. Lost his home. Lost his homeland. Lost the temple. Carried off into exile. He has nothing. And yet he believes, even though he has nothing, that God was present with him in the past. And if God was present with him in the past, he's present with him right now in this moment. And if he had the Lord, he had everything he needed. If he had the Lord, the Lord is his portion. If he had God, he had everything he needed. If God was with him, that was enough. And that's what we need. Not only do we need to process our past, we need to Live in the present. Live in the present. That's our next fill in the blank. We need to live in the present. How do you do that? How do you live in the present? Well, for one thing, when we take the Lord's Supper, to realize that God is with us here now. Right now, in this sanctuary, God is here to live in the present that God was with us in the past. He was with you when you faced that grief and that trauma, even though you might not have felt him or saw him or, or saw how he was working. He was with you in the past and he's with you right now in the present. He's here and he's here in a special way. We're going to take the Lord's Supper today. And when Jesus gave the Lord's Supper, he said it this way. He said, um, do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I did for you in the past. Remember how my body was broken for you and my blood was poured out for you to, to rescue you and to love you and to accept you, to give you safety, security, acceptance, and belonging. Remember what I did for you in the past. And then he also says this, but take and eat. This is my body. Take and drink. This is my blood. That stuff that happened in the past, now I'm present with you in this moment. I know you're struggling with, with grief and shame and loss. I know the memories that haunt you, but I am right here with my presence. Take and eat. I am here for you. Live in this moment. Experience this. Live in the present. And I pray that that happens today. Right in this moment, I pray that you could live in the present. Believe that God is here. If God is here, you have everything you need. And that you live in the present, not just right now in this one hour we have, but you live in the present throughout the holiday season, the Christmas season. That you look at all the different symbols that are, that are here echoing who God is and he's with us. You see the Christmas tree and, and know that, that Jesus is the, the tree of life. 
You look at the Christmas lights and see that he is the light of the world. You look at the Christmas gifts and say, God is the greatest gift, that you're present throughout the holidays. You live in the present. Because what Christmas is all about. Remember what the angel called Jesus? Emmanuel, which means God with us. So if you're going to experience healing this holiday season, begin to experience it. You have to process your past, live in the present, and hope in the future. Hope in the future. And, and, and so what the, the writer does here in the book of Lamentations, based on the fact that he knew God was with him in the past and he knew he could live in the present, now he says, therefore, I will wait for him. I will wait for him. The word wait and hope is really the same word here. Therefore, I will wait for him. Therefore, I will hope in him. See, the the Hebrews, they had the Old Testament scriptures. So they knew the story of how God created a very good world and how human beings uh, messed it up in the Garden of Eden. But God kept on promising that one day he was going to send a Messiah, a king who was going to be born in Bethlehem and and born of a virgin. And and the the prophets kept on saying that he was going to reign over them and he was going to get rid of their enemies and and all these prophecies. And and so they always had hope in in a future. They always had hope in a happy ending. Now, if the Israelites could always have hope, no matter how bad it got, they always had hope in a happy ending because they knew a Messiah was coming. How much more for us? Now that over 300 prophecies about Jesus' first coming came true 2,000 years ago, and now there's prophecies about him coming again and making all things new and resurrecting your body, and rewriting your story, and making everything good. Now, if, if the Israelites could have hope in Jesus' first coming, and he came like he said he would, how much more can we have hope in a happy ending that he's going to fulfill what he said? Just like he did it the first time, he's going to do it again. You can always have hope in the future, hope in a happy ending. So I know that this might be the most difficult time of the year. And, and, and I know we all need a ton of help from each other. I pray that we would all encourage one another. I pray that, that you would get whatever kind of help you need. Talk to counselors and friends and pastors and, and, and everybody you can. But I do believe that this can be the most wonderful time of the year. Because God is here. God was with you in the past. God is with you right now. And God will be with you in the future. And so this can be the most wonderful time of the year because God is here. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, more than anything, I pray that you would give us peace. You would give us peace. We don't know why things have happened to us in the past, but Lord God, give us peace to somehow believe that you were there. Lord God, help us to be present right now in this moment, to be alive, fully alive in this moment as we receive your presence, receive who you are, that that God is here. And then, Lord God, don't let anything take away our hope. Give us eyes to always have hope and a happy ending. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.